Welcome into episode number 10 of Automatic and excited that we are back with you. Now, this is a little bit different. We're recording on a Wednesday. We typically record before Wednesday and release it on Wednesday, but we're actually recording on Wednesday and releasing on the same day. But I would have to say it actually works out great because there were some great games that we might not have been able to talk about by recording early but one of the reasons why we are a little bit delayed is because Steffi you got to experience a little Disney World didn't you and I know you had a lot of fun with your nieces and nephews right oh that's why we're recording on Wednesday had a nice long uh, slumber last night woke up late um Going to Disney World as a kid, from what I recall, was like the best. Like, of course. You know, I remember being there super young. My parents had me on a leash, my brother and I on a leash. That was a thing. I'm not mad at it because shit, you gotta keep track of everybody, right? <laughs> so we had the little backpack with leash, they were holding on to us. Very smart, I will say that. Um, so going to Disney with uh, my entire family and four kids under seven years old including a six-month-old. Wow. Hard. Yes. Very hard. Big question, and maybe you can answer this. How do you entertain a child, a four-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old, in a line that's a wait of like 70 minutes? Rich, how did you you do that? You You don't. don't. I saw parents with, like the kid had an iPad while in line. I was like, that's smart. Now, technology has helped over the years because, yes, when... We were taking kids there to Disney World, didn't have that option. So there was really no way to entertain them. And that was the most difficult part is the long, long ass lines <laughs> waiting for these rides yeah. and trying to come up with something for the kids because they're, especially it's hot, they're in a bad mood, the parents are in a bad mood. And that's why I... Did you experience what we lovingly referred to at the end of the day, back at the hotel, the PBD? Did you ever experience that? You might not know what that even means. What is PBD? The parent (laughs) beatdown. As the parents would come walking back (laughs) into the hotel at the end of the day, you could see it on their face, Stephanie. (laughs) They were rung through the ringer, just the beatdown. (laughs) <laughs> and I've been there. I've been that parent. Just you're just worn out. I'm going to share a very personal story for our audience. Please don't get grossed out. I, I was baptized into basically becoming a parent this weekend. We are getting on the bus. It's 9 p.m. ever past everyone's bedtime. And my little niece, she's two, almost two years old. She is potty trained already. She's already potty trained, okay? That's so she fantastic. doesn't have a diaper on, but she has to go pee-pees. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all in the line for the bus to go home. And I'm like, you got to hold it, girl. I'm holding her. She's like screaming. I was like looking around. Where can we, you know, let her maybe, you know, for boys, it's easier. They just stand right. and pee, right? It's a little harder for girls, <laughs> but my sister has given her some freedom, right? Because in the neighborhood, it's whatever. So she's, I said, let's just, Brittany, my sister put a little like semi diaper on her thinking we, she can just go in the diaper and then we'll take it off, whatever. And like, we're, meanwhile, we're trying to get onto the bus to get back to the hotel and she's screaming. I said, let's pretend like we're going, like, let's squat down, uh, Rich. And I hold her, that diaper wasn't on. So she starts oh going. Oh my gosh. 
And I, my Nike dry fit joggers are <laughs> completely soaked. And I said, it's okay. It's okay. It's yes. Just go, girl. <laughs> get on the bus. Let it the, go. The, get on the bus. The kids are screaming. She's mad because she's wet. And um, I'm soaking wet with pee. So that, that I was probably the parent beat down on the bus just staring out the window. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. That is it. Oh, my gosh. True love. So, uh, True love. Exactly. That's You have become a parent by default right there when you can have your niece just pee on your Nikes. That's it. it you, you've passed the test. You've passed the test, lady. So you're well equipped to be a, a, a true mom now. <laughs> God love her. God love her. Uh, I was actually on the bus when Coach Landers called me. <laughs> He's him and I are going to be in studio tomorrow, and so he said, "Where are you?" I said, "I'm actually at Disney," and uh, he thought that was funny. Um, so I'm looking forward to working with him again and getting back into the grind. Uh, I caught up yes. to um, Arkansas, the must bus, taking down Auburn. First of all, the dunk at the end was nasty, disrespectful, yes. but I'm okay with that. But the lights going off as everyone stormed the court. I what the what. I'm so glad you're talking about this, Steph, because I was saying the exact same thing as I, I finished watching Clemson lose to North Carolina in a debacle where Clemson should have won that game. But that's a whole nother story. But the whole scenario right there at the end where the lights go out, pyrotechnics are going off, and Auburn players haven't even gotten off the court yet. I'm like... There's some safety issues going on 1, right now. 1,000%. All I could think about, Auburn Rich, players. All I could think about was those lights go down, and all you can see is the Arkansas fans just rushing the court. I'm like, where is where is Auburn? Like, where are the players? Did they just run off? Like, I don't have an answer because obviously I'm just coming into this, but... Yeah, they were trying to get off. Yeah, they, I, I could see they were trying to get off. And you go back and watch, they're trying to get off, but there's guys that are not off and it's completely dark. And who knows what's going on? And I think that's such a bad look for Arkansas to do that. And I know you're excited. You just knocked down the number one team in the country, you know, and all of that. And, uh, and again, I yeah, I don't have a problem with the dunk at all. Uh, that's an exclamation point for the victory and overtime, et cetera, all of that. But come on, allow Auburn to get off the court. Or something just you can't just turn the lights out and then just let everybody rush the court. You just can't do that. Yeah. Did 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 you hear anything if it was intentional? The lights going off was intentional or was it an accident? I have not heard that it was an accident. It mm. looked premeditated to me. That yeah, that the way that how quickly they celebrate. went down. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And especially because the pyrotechnics that were going off as well, that it was all part of the celebration. And I get, hey, go celebrate. Yeah, just just wait a couple of minutes before you celebrate like you're in a nightclub. That's what <laughs> it seemed like all of a sudden, <laughs> you know? And I was like... This is not good at yeah. all. And then Musselman's taking his shirt off. Of course, and yeah. <laughs> jumping into the crowd. I'm like, man, you just had shoulder surgery and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, a, just a, a great win for Arkansas. I mean, just a shot of adrenaline that they, they need. And, and another, you know, and there's just another night in the SEC. It's been, uh, I mean, LSU, Will Wade. I mean, what's what's going on with the Tigers? 
they're they're a team that's spiraling down right now and they don't even seem to be a shell of themselves based on yeah. the first part of the season and i think this is just indicative of the chaos in college basketball i mean we're seeing so many of these teams you have kansas gets blown out by yeah. kentucky yeah. then they blow out baylor and then they lose to texas I mean, it's so unpredictable right now. In the same way, Duke looks like, okay, they're finally getting their act together, blow out North Carolina. And I know North Carolina is not what they have been over the past few years. Yeah. And then Duke follows that up and allows Reese Beekman, you know, basically a wide open three to beat them on the last second shot. And that was only the second three-pointer that Virginia had made all game and Paulo Bancaro scores nine points in the first half and a donut in the second half. So he doesn't contribute at all. Yeah. It's just college basketball. I mean, that's why I love college basketball. And I know you do too. I mean, it's we tried to say we can understand the teams. I think this year, even more so than ever, it's just really unpredictable where there could be eight to ten teams that I truly believe could win a national championship. No doubt. I mean, the tournament on both sides is going to be total mayhem. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be mayhem. Um I'm I'm wet. I'm ready for March. You know, February is Me such too. a such a nice um you're, it's gearing you up, right, for March and you know, I have Tennessee this weekend and they are it's, it must be hard to be a Tennessee fan. You know, on the men's side, the women's side, football like just all their sports, right? And um they played UConn over the weekend and you know, remember UConn's you know, it hasn't been the same without Paige Beckers. That's right. And they blow Tennessee out. And Tennessee has completely fallen apart. And I saw them in January. I'm like, they're a Final Four team. No question. Like, Final Four. And they have lost. They lost to Auburn, who is the worst team in the SEC. They lose to Florida, who's finally ranked hello. And, um, and then to UConn, like, in the stretch of, what, 10 to 11 days? So... That's a head scratcher for me. Yeah. So, is there concern with them, or is this just again college basketball, or is there some real deficiencies there with Kelly Harper's team? Uh, they lost uh, a player, Kean Green, to injury, and it was before the Auburn game. Now she came off the bench. Sometimes I think she would start occasionally, but she was a, a grad transfer and kind of the mama bear. And I think we, I don't think we really accounted for how big of a role she was for them because they haven't looked the same since. So, you know, I think, you know, and I said this in studio last Thursday, it, sometimes it comes down to players. You know, Kelly Harper's a great coach. Honestly, like, I'm watching Tennessee, and it's not like they're not in good positions. They're just really turning the ball over and giving teams, you know, easy opportunities. And I'm I'm like, listen, it comes down to the players. If you don't hold on to the ball, right. there's nothing Kelly Harper, like, like, she played the game. She can tell you what to do, but if you don't do it, you know, teams will make you pay. And I think that that's why, you know, they've, they've been struggling. They've been turning the ball over. And yeah, so they've, they're kind of my, my LSU on the men's side of just like, that's right. What is, you know, what is going on now? I'll see them Sunday against Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt's an interesting team with Shay Ralph, who came over from UConn under Gino. Um, and they play, they play hard and play feisty. But, you know, Tennessee was in position to be a number one seed. And now they're just falling and falling. So can they pick it up in February? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well, and you know that Kelly Harper hasn't forgotten all of a sudden how to coach. And there is that true aspect of that cliche 
sometimes it's not about the X's and the O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Totally. And that is a big part of it. And that's why I was having a conversation about Clemson, their basketball team, and how they can't get over the hump and become a at least a contender uh, in the ACC at best, especially when you see like a Florida State with Leonard Hamilton, what he's been able to do over the past eight to 10 years, really build that program up. And then the the big one that a lot of people point to is Auburn with Bruce Pearl. And how all of a sudden can Auburn be so good at basketball? And I said, it's a simple equation. They've got better players. Yeah. I mean, you've got yeah. Jabari Smith, you've got Walker Kessler transferred in, and you've got Wendell Green Jr., you've got Katie Johnson. Those players are much better than Clemson's players. That's just the reality of it. So Bruce Pearl is a better recruiter than Brad Brownell. And I'm not trying to disparage Brad Brownell, but that's just the reality of it. It comes down to what players can you get? Not 100%. necessarily what offense are you running? I mean, no, that's a part of it, but you got to have the players. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, when I'm looking at South Carolina, and why they've been the most consistent number one team. In the, they have been the most consistent team. You can argue on men's or women's, the most consistent team. Agreed. And they have, I believe, to my knowledge, 12 McDonald's All-Americans on their team. So when she subs, she, she's got five, then she subs for five more. It's just, it's just <laughs> exactly. you're like, they have the best players, but they've become a mature, like a very good team. There's been a significant buy-in. Um, under them. So I think that that's why they've really just been so consistent all year long. But, you know, Dawn Staley has, she consistently challenges her team. Like y'all, we have to stop doing this. And she's like, I, I give y'all all the tools. You got to do it. And that's right. You know, it, it's so prevalent when you watch them and it's just like, so, you know, like you can't, we can't be making these errors and expecting to win a national championship. So anyway, agreed. I, and injuries obviously can, play a part in this as well. As you talked about with Tennessee, you know, how one injury to a player can disrupt everything. And that's why I also look at when players are coming back from injury and a team is getting fully healthy, like Kentucky right now with Ty Ty Washington yeah. is back. And obviously with Oscar Schwebe, how dominant he is. I think Kentucky right now, there be there's some teams in the SEC that are getting a little worried that Kentucky is starting to peak because they are healthy and you know watch out for them. I know they only beat South Carolina uh, last night by ten, and they had to be pushed a little bit. But a, again, it's college basketball. But I'm telling you, Kentucky looks like a fantastic team right now. But my team of the week though is actually Arizona. I'm going with the Wildcats. On the West Coast, they revenge the loss to UCLA where they got beat 75 to 59 back on January 25th, beat the Bruins 76 to 66. Then they follow that up with beating number 19, Southern Cal, 72 to 63. And in that, also they had uh, beaten uh, Arizona State. So now they're 10 and 1 in the Pac 12, they're 20 and 2 overall. And I just think right now they seem to be playing really well also. But for this particular week, that's my team of the week, Steffi. It's a solid pick. Um, my team of the week is Baylor. So Baylor had an interesting scenario where they played Texas back-to-back. You don't really see that all the time, right? Where no. um, you know a team plays each other 
on consecutive days, not necessarily consecutive days, but back to back on the schedule. And Nikki Collin is someone who came over from the WNBA. She had to fill the shoes of Kim Mulkey when she left Baylor. You know, players were distraught when she left. But the one player that stayed is Nalissa Smith. She's like my, uh, Aaliyah Boston's my national player of the year. But like 1B is Nalissa Smith. She very, she very well could be the number one draft pick. I mean, she was phenomenal in the game. You know, 25 um, in the first time. I think she had over 30 in the second game. But, you know, she's that six two, six, three, kind of hybrid, one through four, that she's just got the length, the skill, the speed. But I, to play Texas, Nick Schaefer, who's so gritty defensively, right, he gets the most out of his team. And But to beat them back-to-back is tough. It's very tough to do. And, you know, I think Baylor's kind of flown a little under the radar because they've had a couple ups and downs, just everybody adjusting to Nikki's system. It's very different than Kim Mulkey's, but... Those were those were nice wins, and I think Baylor is kind of hitting its stride heading into February, and we'll certainly get into the NCAA tournament. I'm just curious what they do, but Melissa Smith, both games were on ESPN. I kind of was thinking about Ryan Howard and Shakira Austin, two players I talk about a lot on SEC Network being top five picks. I'm watching Melissa Smith, I go, that might be the number one draft pick. Turn around, wow. fade away, like just dribble full court, lay up, finger roll shoot the mid-range jumper, just she's got it. She's got it. Yeah, and she seems to be also a player that there's no letdown in terms of, I mean, she's playing at the same, her motor, yes, that's where I'm going, her motor, where I think Ryan Howard, I see her motor slow down. She goes into a lower gear at times, and I mean, it's amazing when she puts it in high gear, but I see too many times I, I don't, I guess I question the effort sometimes with Ryan Howard. Yeah, I, and it's not an uncommon uh, statement that you hear from people when you watch Ryan Howard. You know, everybody, when Tebow was in the NFL and he was playing for Denver, and everyone said he'd lull defenses to sleep and then he'd throw a touchdown. Just like, <laughs> I don't know, sometimes when I'm watching Ryan, if it's like she's lulling defense and then she just, bah, 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 you know, it scores That's a two. Right. But uh, there's no doubt. I mean, it, just on, when you watch her play, she's extremely talented. She's been doing this for four years. Um, and she's up there. Like, she could be number one. You know, um, everybody's talking to her. Uh, but you sent me the clip of Caitlin Clark. She's like my 1C one, one player of the year. I mean, if it wasn't for Aaliyah, she's in the conversation for national player of the year. This kid is nuts. She is nuts to watch. You were, you sent me the thing, and I said, Rich, that is like a layup for her. I'm sorry. Like, it is. Yeah. How? She comes across half court and shoots from the logo, the big M there at Michigan. And I was blown away because at first I thought it was like at the end of the quarter. Yeah. Yeah. There was three minutes to go in the quarter and there was still 27 seconds on the shot clock. Yeah. <laughs> and, she just, and she had a defender draped all over her. She it was crazy. She is really um playing at a next level. I think she had a little bit of a slow start to the season, but she is um, just absolutely next level. I mean, I think she's in the conversation for player of the year. Leah's just been so, she's been so dominant and her team has been so, she just night after night. But if you look at Caitlin Clark, it's like, Jesus, how, how, how? When you're watching someone like that and, you know, we highlight her previously on this podcast where she was the fastest player to score a thousand points under 40 games. But, you know, 
teams throw every kind of look at her defensively, and it, it doesn't really matter. Like, she just scores. She just scores. And she's not super tall, um, not super athletic, but she does it enough. She just knows how to use what she has, and she just keeps getting better and more entertaining. She's, she's someone that is everyone is going to be watching in the tournament. They're going to be like, you holy cow, like the Steph Curry version. You're like, holy shit, who is this kid? Caitlin Clark. You know, like, we know her on the women's side, but the casual fan tuning in is like, this girl pulls up from half court. Welcome to the Caitlin Clark Show. <laughs> exactly. And I don't think that C is representative of her name, Caitlin. I think that C in her name actually means confidence because that's what I see from her. She doesn't care where she's on the court. <laughs> she knows she's got 100% confidence in her ability, and she's going to pull the trigger wherever she is. If yeah. she's feeling it right there at that moment, yeah, I'm crossing half court. Got a defender right on my hip. I don't care. I'm yeah. going to shoot it right here and buries it. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. I immediately was like, oh, my gosh, Dave, I'm texting <laughs> you so fast. <laughs> I was like, uh, what in the hell did we just see right here? <laughs> yeah, I wish that they put her on uh, more of a national, you know, they'd have more national games for Iowa so that people could see her. And really, we could build her up as a star because she's so entertaining to watch. And Speaking of viewership, I mean, there's no question the women's game is, you know, it's being elevated. I know that the WNBA just secured, uh, I think it was like six or seven million dollars in new investments um, to their game. And college basketball, women's college basketball, their viewership is up. And but I want to I want to have a conversation with you, Rich. I want to get into maybe a little bit of a debate um, because and I, I'm going to reach out to the Ole Miss head coach, Coach Yo, as everyone calls her and her and I are friends. So. She tweeted out um, just a few days ago about lowering the rim to excite fans and bring in new fans. And she thinks that I don't she wanted to just raise the question. Someone sent me her tweet and I was like, OK, <laughs> um, I, I want to know, Rich, where you stand on it. The idea as someone who watches both men's and women's, should we lower the rim so that women can dunk more? Wow, that is a interesting question because I have never been asked that or even thought about that because it just seems to me that that's the standard. It's 10 feet. And I know you can go back to years and years ago when basketball was first starting. I mean, there's probably some fluctuations and obviously it fluctuates based on age. You start with a lower rim because that's to help promote obviously the ability to score and uh, better fundamentals, et cetera. Uh, the traditionalist in me says, no, you don't lower it. Let me ask you this. Would you watch the Would you watch more games if you knew women would be dunking? It would be entertaining. Yes. Okay. I, I would have okay. to agree that there could be an entertainment value because as much as I love three point shooting and I know you love it. I mean, you are a specialist. There is something different when the energy that's created when you dunk and sometimes the the posters and we see it you know on the men's side i mean that's one of the big things on sports center who is posterized that's sometimes a lot of the top 10 plays that we see it's dunks dunks on somebody or just even looking at the slam dunk contest i mean it's obviously lost its luster over the years in the nba all-star game but i as much as i feel that that would be entertaining I don't know if that I'd be interested. I want to hear from you because there's this aspect of 
why have to lower it to have better entertainment? Don't you have enough entertainment as it is? And is that sending a message to women's basketball? What it, if I told you tomorrow that it's a technical of a men a men's player dunks? Would you watch the men's game less if there was no dunks? Because you watch the game for basketball. They just so happen yes, to exactly. dunk, right? Okay. Yes. Men's volleyball players, they play they have a higher net than women's volleyball players. Okay. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Man, where do I start on this? It's a, I got it's a an, feeling Steffi's about to tee off right here. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if um, Coach Yo will come on and chat it out because I know that she she took a lot of heat for putting that on because I think about basketball as a global sport that you can pick up a ball in uh, whatever country you're at, anywhere, anywhere across the globe, and that rim is set at ten. Exactly. So I can go to this place, I can go here, and I can go here, and I can go here and never miss a beat because the rim is universal. Now, you can say, well, the men play with this bigger ball and the women play with the smaller ball. Well, men's hands are bigger than women's hands, so it's, you know, I don't necessarily read that much into it, right? Uh, men's and women's tennis players play with the same ball and the net's the same height, and it, both are equally entertaining. Are we do we devalue the women's game by saying the product is shitty because we don't dunk? I'm watching a lot of girls dunk. They just haven't done it in games. So Coach Yo's proposition was why not lower it to nine, nine and a half feet? And then you'll see, I don't know if a player could windmill, but you'd see some alley oops probably. You'd see way more dunks. And I'm like, okay, I understand why she was asking it, like, to see where it was, like, just reading, you know, why is it that we can't have this conversation? I just think that the women have grown the game in a way because they play just a pure form of basketball. It, it, it has become flashy on the women's side. It has become entertaining. They shoot the three. I think that Miss layups hurt our game for sure because it's a lock on the men's side. They dunk, we miss layups. So we take a hit, a hit for that, Rich. We do. It is, tr- it is true. We've got to make layups. Like if they lower the rim, yeah, maybe it would be easier or maybe a player could just dunk. I just think that we de- we're devaluing the game and like it's demeaning to women. It's demeaning to women to me um, as a, as a, as a, former player as a professional player like if i had to lower the rim i'd spent my entire life shooting on a 10-foot rim i couldn't i could no longer shoot with anybody that was a pro because i gotta go over here you gotta go over here my rim is nine and a half or nine and yours is ten the fuck is that exactly (laughs) agreed and that's i do think the question is that what type of message is that sending by doing that would people rich what would people would People really want to be like, people are always going to hate women's sports, period. I don't know the number. 1,000%. You could put a dunk on there and there's going to be a thousand bots that are going to say, that's trash. You know, oh, it's because they lower the rim. Now, then we're taking new heat because we lower the rims and then we're dunking and then say, oh, it's not 10 feet. So it's like, I, I've, I had this debate like four years ago with Nell Fortner and Brooke Wiseborough. And it was lowering the rims and changing the uniforms to, like, spandex, straight up. I was like, what the fuck? 
<laughs> there are some European teams that play in like full spandex uniforms. And obviously I think that's just sexist, you know, volleyball, whatever. If you could convince players to wear tights as a uniform, good luck. The uniforms are definitely getting smaller and shorter. Look, I had to play in baggy ass uniforms and that was 2010. Like now you can, the shorts are short as shit. Like you don't have to really, it's, you can use all your social media to dress sexy if that's what you want to do. I see enough WNBA players that are half naked on their Instagram most of the time. So like, do you, but on the court, I don't think that we have to dress sexier to improve our game. That's not what Coach Yeo said. That was, I've heard that argument about increasing viewership on the women's side of you know maybe making it less baggy clothes it, it, i was I, I don't i don't even know where to begin with that but we're going to skip over that we're going to talk about the rims so i think that it devalues women and it kind of sends the message of think rich i get so caught up and like you know when we talk a lot about equity and being equal and being treated equal and it's like why would we change our game to try and compete with the men? I'm not trying to, I would never try to compete with the men. We are our own product. We play our own exactly. way. And people, as we've seen with numbers and people who can wear, buy all these jerseys, Haley Van Lith jerseys, pages, Gatorade sign, first player. At, why would we want to change what is, be, is being shown to be extremely marketable and fun and an entertaining product? And again, I'm going to see if Coach O will come on and have this debate. It's not like she's singular in this thought. I mean, I think a lot of people have brought it up so that women can dunk more. But like, please don't watch our game if you're only wanting to see dunks. Because that's... That's right. Like, just... But she wants new viewers. Her point was, we want, we know who we're already having watched the show and watch our games. But how do we bring in new audiences? Yeah, and I think the way you are starting to bring in new audiences is that it takes time because you've got this next generation that's coming up and loving the game for the game and the players and the stars. And you see players like Caitlin Clark out there. You fall in love with those type of players. You want to emulate those type of players. And it's not going to happen overnight. So this, I think that like lowering the rim, yes, it, again, it could be more entertaining, but that's being so short-sighted in terms of what it can do for the game long-term. And that's why I, you know, you've got to look at this, what is the viewership going to look like in 30 years, not in three years? Because it's, it's just not going to happen that way. That's just how it goes. And I think there's a, a big aspect of you've got to have some of the tradition. You do. And to your point, basketball is global. And you got to be able to go just wherever, whatever gym, LA Fitness, YMCA, you're going in there, you're going to hoop it up and you know it's 10 feet and you go and play and that's it. So you're in, and the second point is, let's say we lower the rim. So as shooters, you're used to 10 feet. And so you got to make sure every rim that you go and get your shot at is at nine or nine and a half feet. There's going to be a serious uh, calibration, recalibration of your shot how it looks, how, how it goes in, like accuracy. So like maybe we got some more dunks, but then we got a shitload of bricks happening. Yes. And that's, I'm coming from a former shooter. It's, you're methodical in your shooting. And I think, you know, there's so many players on the women's side that date a lot of NBA players or other athletes. And, you know, it's a, you, they can all train together. And why change that for 
more dunks so that new people can come in and maybe watch a highlight and then trash you on social media. Like, <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's not the first time that I've heard the argument, but it was just recent. It was just over the last few days. And I was like, we got to talk about this because I just like, I think it, it's just like a slap in the face to a female. I, I think there's a lot of people that would have your same viewpoint that it it's sending some type of different message that you really probably don't want to send in all reality. Yeah. I think there's two different products. Men's college basketball is its its own product. It's a great product. I love it. I watch men's college basketball. I will talk about it with you. I talk about it just amongst friends, people I see in studio, blah, blah, blah. And it's just a different product than the women's game. But the women's game is its own product. And obviously, it's probably the one of the fastest growing. I mean, it, it keeps growing. Our stars are getting better. And I think that where we get lost and trying to grow the game is we always try to do this comparison of like, how do we be, become more like men's players? Just the handles, the, I, I stop. Why can't we just be like women and we play our game? It's like, they can always just like, I don't know if it's societal or how we're like, you know, raised and like always comparing ourselves comes back, always compares to men, always compares to men. And I'm just like, Dude, like they're a separate product. Like I'm not trying to be like that. Our game is good. I love calling games. Like we have a good product. So anyway, those are my thoughts. I think that most people probably agree with what I'm saying. I th- I think to Coach Yo's point is like, why does this why does this really get people going? You know, like why can't she even ask that? I think that's one of the things that she replied to somebody who took it, you know, in a in a bad way. <laughs> and she probably, she, you know, she's funny. She's, she's a good person. And so, like I said, I'll try to see if she can come on and just be like, let's chat about it. Love to talk to her. Yes. Cause yeah. it is thought provoking. Cause For sure. there's it touches some people's nerves. Some, yes. There's definitely some talking points that you definitely need to explore. And that's a very interesting debate. And again, I've never been asked that question in all reality. I've never even thought about it. Now I know there was discussion with the, three-point line, and I was curious how it was going to affect the women's game from a shooting perspective now that they've moved back. And if it has, it's insignificant, Steph. It's insignificant. And I was thinking that, yeah, there'll probably be, at least this first year, there'll be a a, a pretty big drop-off. Nope, it hasn't happened. You do know why? Women are shooting it because they're already shooting from longer distance. A lot of of women's college basketball players and men's college basketball players train together. So what line are they shooting from? from? The men's. The men's line. They've been we've they've been doing that. You know, I think Haley Van Lith dates Jalen Suggs. You know, it, so they can train together. And what line do you think she's shooting from? She's probably shooting from the NBA line. That's where she's training I from. I bet so too. So anyway, that said, let me jump back into a different gear and my automatic of the week. And I'm gonna give a shout out to Paige Beckers who bought her entire team brand new shoes through her one of her name and likeness deals with StockX. so she surprised them with some sneakers homegirl's not even out there but i i love that we talked about more celebrating more moments like that with players getting deals that just happened um yesterday or today surprising her team and they were a when does when does a play, when has a female player ever been able to surprise their entire team with shoes? You know, is this a first? Has it, to be it, right. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe like in, on the WNBA level, level, if someone uh, signed a sneaker deal and they got, you know, they were able to deliver everybody's shoes. But at that point in WNBA, I mean, everyone's, you know, people have got their own deals. But in college, it's got to be a first. I mean, it was awesome. It was awesome. For see. sure. Again, that's the positive side of NIL and all of the get off my lawn type of people. <laughs> You can celebrate <laughs> these little small victories that there are some positive things with NIL. All right, so for my automatic of the week, this is going back to the whole topsy-turvy number one ranking in men's college basketball. I don't think we can keep a team up there for more than four weeks. Auburn had it for three weeks, and maybe you could technically say four weeks. But now, after the loss to Arkansas in overtime, is it Gonzaga that's going to be taking the number one spot. And I think it will be. And my automatic with that is that now Gonzaga will be the number one team and they will stay number one for the rest of the regular season. Because if you look at their schedule, I and mean, they've got St. Mary's twice, so that, those are two difficult games. But I think Gonzaga is playing too well right now. Yeah. Kind of figured some things out. It was, you know, the non-conference early in the season. But for... Gonzaga right now, I think they're going to be rolling yeah. through the rest of the, the West Coast Conference, and they'll end up staying number one until postseason. I like that. That's a good pick. I also like uh, Auburn staying hungry heading into the tournament. Sometimes it, you might need just a little bit of reset, like, oh, you're right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and Bruce Pearl will be that guy that can get them motivated after coming off of a loss like that. Well, that's it for us. Episode 10 is in the books. And if you haven't already, please follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, And let us know your thoughts by rating and reviewing. And as always, thanks for investing your time to listen. This is Automatic.